Welcome to Comics Therapy, episode 87. I'm your host, Aaron Myers. And I'm your host, Andrea Shockling. And together we are... No. Uh, no? No. Okay, fine. Um, just a reminder, since it's been a lengthy hiatus, we never do reviews, just analysis. And even that is often up for debate. Very true. In the olden days, back when we recorded weekly, and I diligently read all of my comics in a timely fashion... We would pick a couple of books from the week's stack and build a theme around that. But if we're going to make this work now, and just for the record, this was my idea. I'm not saying that because I'm taking it away from Aaron. I'm just saying that it was my motivation to get it back up and running. Because arguing with Myers is its own sort of therapy. Realistically, though, I'm not going to stay caught up on weekly comics the way that he does. It's nice that you are taking responsibility for ending the show originally, too, because I was willing to do it every week. You just are the one who killed it. So it's nice of you to take full responsibility for everything. Yeah, yeah, I take responsibility Mm -hmm. for for ending it, but but as as well, I take credit for resurrecting it. Yeah, it's not quite the same. No. Are you kidding? Did you see the responses? (laughs) Sure. You have me muted, don't you? I do. Ah, okay, cool. Anyway, let's move on. Well, so anyway, we're going to post all the books and the creators that we mention when we post the show. So you can always check the website. Comicstherapy.com. Good. Or Twitter. At Comics Therapy. Or Facebook. I think it's Facebook.com slash Comics Therapy. Yeah, yeah. And how about Snapchat? Um, no, I only do Ello. Is that a thing still? Actually, I think we do have an account on Ello. Oh, you're adorable. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> so we're going to... Oh no, we're already off our script. You've already... You ever... You... I, that's it. I'm, I'm canceling it. I don't think okay. we can do this. <laughs> oh, good show. <laughs> uh... hmm. Well, it's a lot less fun than I remember it being. <laughs> that's, um... It's even more convincing when you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> It is, um, it is the beauty of the reboot, though, because we have to, we have to appeal to the new audiences. We have to change things up. We're gonna start opening every single show with my favorite songs from musical theater. It's gonna be awesome. Nah, it could be Hamilton. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I guess sure, yeah. but that's the one, that's the one I'll accept. Okay, that's I not. I guess a lot has changed in the last year, huh? It it's been two years, dude. Really? Yeah. I mean, damn close to two years. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, time goes by quick. <laughs> Today we're going to start out talking about, I, I don't know, I don't know how to say it. I don't want to call it loneliness because that's really sad, but also because it's more than that. It's like this, I don't know, detachment from yourself. Does that make sense? Uh, anonymity? Yeah, but... Like, more of the internal, the the feeling, that, like, sense of being outside of what everyone around you is experiencing. Like, um, like the detachment. It's, it's worse than being a face in the crowd because you're a ghost in the crowd. The crowd doesn't even acknowledge your existence. So, we're not going to, like, talk about anything else in the last, I guess it's been two years? Yeah, we're just going to dive right in. <laughs> Okay, fine, fine. Let's uh, 
Let's do let's do a little catch up. How how the hell are you? It's it's legitimately good to hear your voice. I wrote that in the script because I was anticipating <laughs> needing to pretend to be nice. Uh-huh. But no, man, I I miss talking to you. It's there's there's a there's a flow that we just can't maintain via text. Um, that's true. It also I don't know, like when you say the amount of time it's been, it doesn't feel like it's been that long with me, but uh, I think it's because I have a fit, like a full, rich and fulfilling life. Hmm. Like, what are you up to? What's different? Oh, God, so much. I mean, I like, I read a lot of comic books. I collect a lot of comic books. What's different? Um, kids that I have to take care of. What's different, though? Um, I guess that's, that's it. When everything's kind of perfect, does it really need to change? <laughs> I mean, my life is great again. America is great again. Oh. Everything is pretty great. So you're just hanging out, just living your life because everything's great. You're not overcompensating for anything. You're not, like, in the pit of despair, the throes of depression, and buying all the things to make yourself feel better. I mean, if that's the case, then that's been my whole life, which I guess arguably you could say is true, but... Um, I've well, made it work. We've talked before about how you have various obsessions that are part of your kind of coping mechanism for dealing with the world. They're passions fueled by the darkness and melancholy of the world around me. Right. So it's everybody else's fault, not yours. Well, it used <laughs> to be mostly yours, but you know, other people filled in that gap. Right, right. There's a really prominent person that I'm thinking of that... I I don't know, Aaron. I feel like it's made a big impact on your purchasing power. (laughs) Um, Well, I don't know. She's out of the picture. You know, Lion Hillary is going to get locked up anytime now, so I'm not really too worried about that. Nice. What did you do this morning, for example? I went to work. Uh Uh-huh. Before that? Uh, I went to a yard sale. Oh. Oh, and in addition to the comics that you purchased, what have you branched out into? I don't know if I branched out into it. Come on, you you don't you don't have any nostalgia for like the '90s Marvel trading cards? I think I have one or two in a yet unopened X Force number one. Sweet. Well, yeah, sure, there were those, but this guy had a whole box of the gold Marvel masterpiece '90s series. Some of these are the gold foil signature series. They're worth like. 25 cents a piece. And you bought the whole box for $2. Yeah, a fool. He didn't know what he was getting rid of. <laughs> Wait, were those sold separately? Like like they were sold mm. at, as trading cards without the comic? Yeah. Yeah, no, you bought packs of them. So is the art on there by the same artists who were drawing the comics? No, not, no. No, so it's like Joe Jusco or like uh, Greg Hildebrandt did a bunch of the series. So hmm. it's... Yeah, I mean, there's actually, like, they're actually cool to look at because there's really good art in a lot of these. It's just 90s stuff. Hmm. But, you know, what, that's, what's that's the, the appeal? wheelhouse. I don't know, nostalgia? Okay, but what was the appeal then? <laughs> oh, well, back then, I mean, you know, trading cards, like, they're rare or they're foil. You know, foil. The appeal to foil is powerful. <laughs> that that gold shine to these cards, I mean, it's, it's intoxicating. It's just... It, I guess it's interesting to think of... It's not actually interesting. It's, like, really fucking boring. (laughs) But it is notable for, like, a brief 
second to consider the fact that there's no game associated with this. This isn't like yeah, Pokemon. There's well, there there were overpower cards, which was associated with the game. Yeah, but that's not what you bought today. That's, no, and and there's also nothing. There there are no stats like um, oh no there like are sports. Oh, yeah, but yeah, but there's no there's no ongoing game or or update affiliated no. with these. Mm-hmm. No, but this is like the in the eighties and nineties is the glut of everything. You know, it's like yeah. everything's a collector's item. Everything is like an add-on to the gatefold. You know, f- die-cut foil, polybagged, whatever. And you are fully embracing it. You are bringing it back. Oh yeah, because you are great, and everything mm-hmm. is fulfilling in your oh, life, you're, and you're not worried about the future at all. If, if you want a real hot tip into the uh, '90s collector market, not look for all the uh, Image Comics, like the uh, the newsstand variants, the ones that were sold at, sold on newsstands. Why? Well, because stuff on newsstands got thrashed, you know, because it's just sitting out there in a newsstand oh. or a spinner rack. So if you have a, a copy in good condition, it's right. Uh, yeah, people will pay fifty to a hundred dollars for a Spawn Number One newsstand edition. You are a terrible person. No, no, yeah, yeah. Y- maybe, y- yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe, whatever. Wow, I I don't want any more hot tips. Okay, I, don't I bet want the people out there do that. Any more collecting talk, unless it's about how unfortunate it is that you are in the throes of that addiction. I've been buying a lot of signatures lately, too. I saw on mm-hmm. VHS tapes. And Betamax. And then what do you do with them? They are in a box in the in the comic book room now. Okay. That's step I mean, one. What's, what's the ultimate goal? Uh, you know, some things you buy, and then you figure out what to do with them later. And signatures of... Oh, come on. You know you like some of those signatures. I mean, some of them were funny. Some of them were, especially the ones that were, uh, in addition to the signatures, some kind of catchphrase or, like, you know, personal salutation or whatever by the... the, I mean, they're usually the actors who are in these movies, right? Right. I I, I guess it's it's mildly amusing, but I just Mm. don't understand what happens after you... After, After you, you have acquire acquired something? a box of them. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know either. Like, the last time we talked, I think it was... I had just moved back from California. And I may or may not have moved into the apartment that I'm currently in. But there was a a, a purging of possessions that took place that was really very cathartic for me it it was it has been this kind of ongoing like i don't need this shit uh let's toss it let's let's document it via photograph and then get rid of it that's the kind of thing that i've been encouraging avi to do more of so he doesn't need to save every tiny little scrap of paper or little tchotchke that he brings home because it just Uh... takes up space it's just excess no, I understand that. So your use of that collecting as, you know, one of your, like, self-soothing mechanisms is completely unrelatable to me at this point. So I, that's why I end up going back to the practical. Like, what, what the fuck are you going to do with a box of these VHS tips? Do you, 
Do you mm, do you have a VCR still? I, I don't care about the movie. I mean, it's just neat to collect, like, um, you know, the signatures on the box of people I'll never have a chance to get it signed from. That's true. Many of them are deceased. Yeah, or just, like, you know, when am I going to have a chance to have Harrison Ford sign, you know, a copy of, a VHS copy of Star Wars for me? Well, besides the VHS tapes, besides the Marvel trading cards, is there anything, I mean, <laughs> bear with me here, but, like, of emotional substance that you'd want to <laughs> update us on? How are the kids? They are well. Logan will be four in a few days. Luke is seven. Yvonne is 23. Damn. Molly is... Uh, she'll be 11 this year. How's Molly doing? She's okay. Yeah? yeah. Hang, hanging in there? Yeah. Life gets to us all. Yeah. Do you remember that we started the show right after Logan was born? Mm, I do not remember really anything. Am I right about that? That's maybe true i think it was i think i mean it definitely wasn't luke no but i know that our first intended episode was postponed because of the inconvenience of the acquisition (laughs) of another offspring (laughs) could be huh yeah see and that doesn't feel like it was very long ago at all so one day drags into the next i mean kind of it also, like, I sleep the minimum, like, I think that's required for survival. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not ridiculous. It's whatever. It's, like, almost exactly five and a half hours of sleep a day. That's ridiculous. I mean, you know, I just have a passion for life, and there's so much to do. Like, looking up how much these various things are worth that you buy on the internet? Yeah, that's exciting. Is that what you do in the early morning hours when uh, your house is quiet before you have to start working for the day? Well, that's partly what I'll do, and I actually have to work at that point, too, because that's the best time to work. When do you read comics? Um, Depends. At the end of the the day, after the kids are asleep, or getting the kids to sleep, or getting them down for a nap, or, you know. Do you read, are you reading mostly digitally these days? Um, Because of that, yeah. Yeah, but mm-hmm. you're still, you. I mean, I know, everybody knows, you're still buying all oh, yeah. of your floppies. Yeah, I buy all the floppies, but then I But you're actually staying on top of your weekly reading, like, sure. not yeah. just because of the show, like it used to be, like, this is of your own volition, you're reading comics and well, a no, giant you, stack of you, comics every week. You kept up with your reading because of the show. I always read comics. <laughs> I always read comics, too. It's just that I don't stay current with some of the big, like, the... I, I sure as hell don't stay current on big events. But, yeah, but I, I mean, that's the same for me now, too. Like, I'm basically not reading any DC books. I'm only reading solo titles, for the most part, for Marvel. You're not reading Secret Empire at all? Nah, nah. I read the first issue. I just don't really have much of an interest in it right now. Okay. I know it's probably good, and I'll probably pick up the next event, maybe. I don't know. But you're buying it so that you can read it whenever you get around to it? No, I'm not buying it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this week I had almost 30 books to buy, and none of it's Secret Empire. It's like I don't want another four or five with tie-ins of stuff that I just mildly am interested in when I've got so much else to read. Hmm. So, sorry. I feel like that... 
that's an evolution in your... I'm not sure. I think sure. it's because I feel like I'm caught up enough with the cycle of big two um, events and, yeah. and books that it's not novel or or anything to me. And after Secret Wars, it like everything feels kind of hollow. <laughs> you know? Like Secret Wars is just so big that it's like everything else feels like you're they're fighting now within a bubble, you know, that once you've like gotten a kind of a peek outside of reality, right? It's yeah. like kind of like peeling back the veil of the matrix. It's like, well, you know, everything we do here is kind of inconsequential because right. it's all happening and, you know, on a much higher level or something. So it's going to take a while for, I think, for my interest to reset away from that. Do the movies help with that? They help, uh, I guess, maintain your... In- I- I'm just saying, like, the both with Guardians just coming out and then all of the the trailers for the next couple of movies and the television shows has, I would, I would say has reignited my interest in the characters that does not translate to me running out to pick up the current, uh, events and, and series. Like I, I will read, like you said, I'll read the solo titles, but I'm excited about some of the story development that is, probably not going to be explored in the comics um yeah sure i mean it's all it's all interesting but i'm not as i'm not as completist uh, about it as i was it it also just doesn't grab me on the same level like it goes back to secret wars like everything about the lead up and the build to that event and all the like mini events that led up to it executed so well for me it's like that was great it felt like it was a worthwhile investment in in the story Let's go back to this. You're not a completist. That's huge, Aaron. That's 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 huge. That's probably the most transformative thing that I've heard you say in a long time. I'm serious. But that you're talking. Yeah, I mean, sure. I'm not a Wednesday completist. I guess you could say. Yeah. 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 I think it's also because in the last couple of years, I'm pretty much a critical mass in the comic book room. Oh. So. I need to make a decision about what I want to keep and what I want to get rid of in order to be able to acquire more stuff because there's just no more room, really. Well, you might as well uh, fill up that non-room with uh, autographed VHS tapes and Marvel trading cards, then. I mean, sure. (laughs) I think that trading cards are an investment in my children's future. Why? Well, because they're going to want this kind of stuff. Paper is going to be scarce. You know, like, it'll be the currency of the new America. <laughs> when Mark. when America is great again. Right. Right. We're, we're well on our way. I think VHS tapes, Betamax, and Marvel trading cards, that's going to be... You'll be able to trade that for milk and ammunition. Let's bring back the 90s. <laughs> There's a con in Pittsburgh this weekend which is where I am right now. And it is, it's like a con out of the nineties. Like it re- it reminds me of like, I know I've told you before about these little mini cons that Pittsburgh for some reason has like every quarter or so. And there are no women guests. Like it's a, it's a heavy, um, I don't know, like artists show like artists known for their pinups or for their, I don't know. It's just a sausage fest. It's just not the kind of con that 
I don't want to say that it's not family friendly because I don't know a lot about the content, but it just doesn't doesn't say anything to me about comics right now or even comics in the future. It it's like this kind of throwback con to comics in the nineties. I I think it's weird. Well, is it is it a throwback? Is it an actual convention, or is it like the old school like vendors with their all their back stock kind of thing, it's, and then lo- and then some local guys who want to look through other vendors? Oh stuff, no, Mark Waite's going to come. Oh, so it's like a real convention. Yeah, I mean, I, if you call it a real convention when it's in West Mifflin. Right. Sure. I mean, at least they went to the trouble of getting like a you know a top name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there are people coming in from out of town. Uh, I have a couple of friends that we're, we're going to meet up for the party, but uh, I'm not going to the con. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about it that is appealing, and it's just sort of disappointing. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just poorly marketed, but I don't think so. It it just felt it felt like a '90s step back into time to me when I was looking at it. I considered tabling, actually, and then I looked a little bit more into it and felt like, holy shit, that would be a terrible idea. <laughs> so I so, but so, it, so I it's not specifically like it's like the boys club kind of convention. It's just it's just a I mean, you could you could say the the marketing and the environment in the old comic book conventions were definitely more attractive to a certain type of male than they would be a female. So that is a boys club convention. But it's not necessarily just because it's, you know, just because it's something that you might say men are more inclined to go to doesn't mean that women are specifically excluded. Except for when they're not on the guest list. But... Wait... I don't know. Okay. What po- sure. Right. Yeah. So you. So there's not. A, so you. There would not. You could say it's not. There's not an effort to make it open for everyone. But no. It's not as specific. a matter of fact, I would say that you have you have to work pretty hard to be exclusionary at this point. Like yeah. you have to right. make that has to be a choice, and it it can be a choice from ignorance, but it's still a choice. I mean, I think I think so because I I see those here regionally too that. It's just the the person who decides to put it on, and there are so many of these smaller conventions now. I mean, there is one, even in Oregon, you could go to a convention or comic swap or something every weekend now. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for the next, from from March to November, mm-hmm. basically. There's, there's something in the region you could go to, and that's just one state, you know. So, and a lot of them are put on by guys i think that were putting them on probably the last time they're doing it in the 90s and now they see that they can get you know do it again and they still have the same sort of mentality right but that's not comics anymore but that doesn't mean it's not available then if somebody who wants to you know make a make a more modern convention i mean there's there's a lot of that too well no i'm not saying the existence of these boys club conventions precludes making something else right I'm right just, they're not they're not pushing the market out or anything they're they're not doing anything to improve the current state of things and and like that's a that's a hot take for you that's me not couching my words at all but i do think that that if this is the 
visibility of comics. And, and we've been talking in Pittsburgh specifically about like, what, what do people think of both within the Pittsburgh comics community and outside of Pittsburgh? Who do they think of when they think of comic artists from the city and they're all men and they're all men like white men over 40, many of whom are really great guys. However, that's not the only people who are working here. And then when you have this kind of con, this is, uh, I think it's called three rivers comic con. And then there's also steel city con. And then there, you know, all of these little regional cons that are, they're, they're very boys club, very sausage fest, very over 40 white guy dominated. And I don't think personally that that is helping. I would actually make an argument that it can be hurting comics as an industry. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Like, is there harm in these in these old school kind of, you know, conventions yeah. versus because they dilute the, uh, the push for inclusion. They do. I think they can be very alienating. I think they can be very discouraging. And I think that they do absolutely nothing for the like kid market. And, mm. and I think that, that that's, that's been the ongoing conversation in, broader than comics it's like anything in the arts anything i mean hell it's it's the arts it's it's sports it's you know traditional anything that has this sort of historical nostalgic uh like body of knowledge or experiences that needs to then be passed on to the next generation if you ignore the next generation if you alienate them or their parents you're doing it wrong. And so losing that opportunity seems like you're just like, you're literally shooting yourself in the foot right there. And it bums me out because I have, I have a kid who is old enough now to make very clear choices about the media that he is gravitating towards and has an allowance. And so like, he's an official consumer and I'm, I'm putting him in a slightly different category from like Luke and Logan because Avi is 12 and he can, he, he's, he's a almost a coveted, uh, like market segment and he should want to go to a, a, a comic convention in Pittsburgh. Like he wanted to go to others in California, but this one has no uh, appeal to him. He has no interest in it because he knows that it's not going to be... Nobody nobody there is going to be like his kind of creator. That's disappointing. Yeah. I I can totally understand that. It's... I think I will have more of um, a stake in it once my kids are old enough and if they show an interest in any of these sort of things. Well, by that point, comics is just going to fucking burn itself to the ground and everything will be ruined. So thanks a lot for, you know, <laughs> not taking the charge and, and saving comics. You know, comics is dead. Thanks, Aaron Myers. I mean, here's the, here's the problem. It's so hard for me to, 
to feel like those conventions are bad for comics because to me they're gold mines. Like those kind of crappy regional <laughs> conventions are the best places to find back issues. Oh my god, you are like proving my point. Yeah. You are ruining comics. But at the same time, I see plenty of kids digging through like dealer boxes of dollar boxes and, oh god. and 50 cent boxes like like I love the old school like guys, you know, who have had a comic shop that no one knows about in the edge of town that just decided to bring all their, you know, broken long boxes in for everything for a buck like you know you know and the best part about it is like there's hardly anyone there i'll care to go into their table and talk to because it's like then i'll just deal with dealer you know dealer things i'm just on my knees you know an overweight guy almost 40 digging through long boxes of comics you're that guy yeah yeah but it's so much fun did you aspire to be that guy when you were a kid no of course not okay no but it's fun i mean it's, it goes back to that catharsis so it's i'm glad you're having fun i'm sorry that the rest of us have to pay for it because you are the one burning comics to the ground every time you have this fun but i'm glad i, I just that... gotta tell you like me and my fellow patriots were sick of this sort of you know push towards inclusion and you know people should all kind of be represented and you know what about the guy who's white, middle class, who just wants to <laughs> dig through some long boxes on a floor in a poorly lit warehouse in right. the middle of a, you know, a city on just a wants Saturday to be afternoon? A creep, if he can be a creep and left to his own creep devices, it's trying fine. to justify buying '90s, you know, Eros comics because they're <laughs> rare, he says, you know, or he can resell them on eBay. Like right. that's the real reason, right? You know. What about us? It's our time now. Mm. Finally. Finally. Thank yeah. goodness. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's been a long time coming. We had to suffer under eight years of tyranny, but you know, finally we're free again. <clears throat> it's a good thing that you have such a clear, sarcastic voice. Like, when, <laughs> when you switch into sarcasm voice, it's like, oh, Aaron's going to talk about politics now, but everybody's going to know that he actually means the opposite. Because he's mm. using sarcasm voice. And I, I appreciate that. I mean, I can't talk about it truthfully. And you know what? I don't think anyone really cares to talk about it anymore. Because it's all just either frustration or jubilation. There's not much in between. Who's jubilant? Okay. Um, the uh, gardener outside right now that you're going to be hearing. <laughs> I was wondering what was who, happening. Who, who, acts, who voted for Trump, but whatever. Uh, how do you know? Um, he said something about our Hillary sign during oh. the campaign. Have you noticed, are, like, your rose blooms disappearing, <laughs> or are, is is your lawn looking, like, a little bit sadder than usual? No. Oh, no. okay. No. I was just looking for a conspiracy, something. Nope, sorry. No Pizzagate here. So did you read any comics this week that you want to talk about? Because I read something that I did want to talk about, but I... You know, I don't want to... I'm happy to hear what you want to talk about. I've been working my way through some, I guess, mostly graphic novels that I have picked up over the past couple of years. I have a phenomenal bookshelf that is beautiful and humongous and fucking filled to the brim at this point. And So what's the difference between that and my long boxes of comics that I like? Well, because I don't buy comics every 
week. Oh, damn it. Right. Because There's no difference. I, man, I, no. Okay. Here, here is the difference. I haven't read everything yet because anybody who says that they've read everything that they own is lying. But I only buy things that I intend to read. Okay, so the only reason it's a beautiful, phenomenal bookshelf is because it's filled with books that you want to read? No, the actual piece of furniture is, like, the most lovely thing that I own. Okay. So it is a beautiful bookshelf made of, like, I don't know, some kind of hardwood and stained dark brown, and it looks it looks really awesome, and I got a really great deal on it, and I'm super proud of it because it's a piece of grown-up furniture, and I, too, am almost 40. And so I look at, you know, the stuff that my parents have in their house. And I look at what I have. And I've got this bookcase. And it's really nice. And I have filled it with mostly comics-related things. A lot of which I haven't read yet. And so now I have the time to be reading And then I also have the time to be thinking about what I'm reading, which is something that it occurs to me that sometimes you don't have the luxury of distilling what you have read or like thinking about how it relates to other stuff that you've read because you have like a kind of critical mass of thought and book and time and and like you just read and then you're done and you move on to the next one sure but that's the nature of a lot of like weekly comics right so that's what i'm trying to avoid so that i can read things and like really spend more time than i have had in the past looking at the and, and appreciating the medium so so i read i read city of glass this week which is the graphic novel adaptation of Paul Auster's uh, short story. And it was, it's a, it's a classic graphic novel. It's taught in a number of programs because of, and, and almost despite the difficulty in bringing it to the, the comics form, Art Spiegelman was involved in that process. And he, he wrote a really interesting introduction to like the new paperback edition that I have about how you take how you take something that is already known in in one art form and like make it again and make it anew without without losing the essence of it. And so so when I when I read something that has like a little bit more weight to it and I have the time to give to it, I find I don't know. I find myself like just sort of slowing down my comics consumption than compared to what I used to do uh, when I was trying to stay more on top of things that were released monthly. Okay, that's fine. I understand. I'm not making it. I want to make it clear, just like for you, like all joking aside, I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just, I'm really. I'm really trying to to articulate that there's a huge difference, at least for me, in the way that I like read and process. It's it's hugely hugely different to sit down and read like a single volume rather than and and not like a collected a trade, 
but a single uh, graphic novel as opposed to reading like serialized stories. But in any case, I, so I, I read City of Glass and I've been thinking about it and, and I had been told a little bit about it before I read it. But I've been thinking about these themes, like I mentioned before, of, of, of being kind of detached from what you're experiencing um, or, or I guess more accurately, being detached from what you believe everybody else is experiencing. And so you are, you are an observer and, and kind of the most extreme case of that is the observer who is not only, uh, watching and not interacting, but, but who also doesn't have any impact. So the, the character of, of Quinn in City of Glass has that has that distance just just like the the watcher in Marvel Comics right like you're you're not allowed to intervene you're watching and you need to watch you're compelled to watch but you're also like ineffective at making any any changes and that's such a as always cuz I always have to make it be about me right it's just it's a it's a really like humbling thing to consider psychologically of this, this kind of isolation and this anonymity, but also this kind of inability to, to affect the change that you are so desperate to, to, to actually do. So is this, um, in terms of how our lives are going currently? <laughs> Gosh, it does seem rather, <laughs> uh, rather accurate at the moment. It, I think, in a way, what's happening on a on a national level and and actually on a on a global level is different from what I'm referring to because because there's an intimacy in City of Glass that is is much more. I don't know. It really resonates for me specifically because, because yeah, you don't feel like you can make changes on a national or global level. I think most people are not in a position to affect or influence waves of change uh, unless they are in a position of power. But I, but I think if you, if you look at like, one-on-one relationships in your life, you, you have a direct interaction. And so of course you can impact that other person. So when you remove that ability, when you are still like person to person, yet the other person is not receptive. Um, it's, it's so, it's like a, it's a much more traumatic feeling of isolation and, and kind of just being, ignored isn't the right word it it's like non-existent like you're you're just sort of in this 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 limbo of you you don't you don't actually get to make the choice that you want to make and that sucks all right did i ask you if you were watching the handmaid's tale yet no i haven't 
I don't have Hulu, and I'm, like, frustrated because I quit Hulu, and now I feel like Hulu's getting all of these new programs that I want to watch, but I haven't made that leap yet. I mean, I assume you've read the book, then. I have, although I'll admit that I haven't reread it in a while. But sure, it is but one of those that the... has... Right. Yeah. It sticks the fuck with you, though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but that goes back to that. Not well. I mean, there's so much that is applicable of that, especially when it comes to female-bodied women of being not being in charge of your own body. Yeah, yeah, and and feeling like you don't get to be the decider. You aren't in control. You're watching the people around you go about their lives, making decisions that could affect you, but right. you're just you know, a non-entity. Yeah, and obviously that's been... uh, That is a historical constant. It is. It's like a hot-button topic all day, every day. (laughs) For some reason, women aren't people. What? (laughs) I mean, people are people. Just some people are more important people than other people. Some people are more people than others. Right. Everyone's a person. Just some people are, you know... Extra extra people yeah right it i've i've heard a lot of conversation about the because because that's an adaptation also like yes and when you have this source material that has such a important i don't know like it 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 already exists in a lot of people's minds and and so therefore there's already a like an imaginary visual that people have kind of assigned to it. And so I've heard that The Handmaid's Tale is 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 pretty effective at taking some of the like universal things and translating it to Yeah, I'd say even the adaptation right now feels too close to a possibility than oh, you know <laughs> than, you know, than science fiction. Yeah. For a lot lot of reasons, but it goes back to, I mean, this, you know, these, these conversations kind of spawn out of, out of the realm of what's really going on versus what we collectively, you know, uh, perceive to be true, Mm -hmm. no matter what, what side it is, Mm -hmm. because as a herd, you know, a herd animal, we are manipulated by the herd that we're traveling in and... I think news and information travel too fast for for uh, you know formulated and informed opinions to really take any take root or shape. Because there's always something else new coming, or because right, right, exactly. So it's like there can't be much dialogue or or sort of exploration of stuff because it's it's fire after fire which i think is almost intentional no matter what what side you're talking about i mean you because it, it to not mince words it sounds like you are describing the trump administration as strategically releasing fire no, after fire i don't think so though i don't think it's I, I do not think there's a coordinated sort of diabolical strategy to that it's kind of stuff. just that bad it's just that bad or we are we are meant to perceive it as that bad in order to perpetuate a narrative and this doesn't mean like fake news is real but i think there is i think there is a business incentive whether it's conscious or unconscious to take advantage of a population that is already primed for outrage 
Just as Fox News did for eight years under Obama, now under for eight years under Trump, liberals and progressives will be galvanized the same way by the progressive media. God damn, it makes me really, really furious when you start talking about eight years of this. Oh, I, I think that's, yeah. Anyway, I think that's inevitable. I, I don't. I, like, adamantly don't. I, especially this week. Especially right, right now. Like, I don't feel uh, that I can do much to affect change at this big level. But I think that other people who can are in the position to do so and have started those wheels turning. I hope you are correct, and I have <laughs> almost zero faith that you are. Oh, man. Faith. I mean, it's it's fine. You know, like, what it goes back to that, we're passive observers when it comes to it, really, but and then it's a matter of how do you channel your energy? I mean, not that I'm... Not that I am above it or at, at all capable of it, but I've mm-hmm. really been thinking about it a lot. It comes down to, like, is this worth my energy and outrage, or... At what point do I get, is it more cathartic and beneficial for me to vent versus do I find some other way to pour that, you know, that anxiety and sort of like high, high, you know, high alert into something else. Like so you're going all to about garage sales and fantasy. Well, of course. I mean, otherwise, why would I be into science fiction and comic books and everything else? Because comic books and science fiction don't always embrace that ideal. No, but it is a big part of it. I mean, it is that sort of letting your your mind think about the possible versus the you know Reality. the current. Yeah, right. right. No, it's I, I'm just it's interesting just because the way that you just frame that right now and and why in this moment it's what you are drawn to because I I guess in a way I'm kind of moving in the other direction uh, when I. So, so, uh, City of Glass was adapted by, um, Paul Karasik and David Muzicelli. And is that how you say his name? Uh, Mazzuchelli? Yeah, Mazzuchelli. Okay. So, um, who did Daredevil and, you know, a bunch of other stuff. Um, but he, he said, he said something about modernism. The appeal of modernism is that, like, it's, it is what it is. It's not this illusion of something else. It's not, it's not an escape. And, and so I felt like, and I feel like that's what I am searching for. That's what I'm seeking out is like, I'm tired of the fucking veil. I'm just, I'm, I'm over this like choreographed pretending that things are not just a giant clusterfuck. And so I'm, I'm not seeking out fantasy if fantasy isn't rooted in my reality. Okay. But then, I don't know. To me, it feels futile to be, be upset all the time. Oh, I'm not upset all the time. Do I sound like I'm upset all the time? Well, I mean, not any different than any other time we've talked necessarily, but, <laughs> um, I'm animated. I'm not angry. Okay. But you know, just in general, like things that reinforce our current worldview don't really change our perception then. So the, like the bubble phenomenon, 
Right. I mean, everyone's isolated themselves. You know, it goes back to that I being hate able your to. Yard guy, by the way. Well, sorry. This is the nature of my reality. Oh, touche. Uh huh. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he'll make my yard great again and move on to the next <laughs> one. That goes to that, yeah, the bubble phenomenon. So, you know, being being in a, unable to change things goes back to everyone kind of agreeing with each other and not ever not ever taking the step to try to figure out what the other person is feeling. But escaping is just another version of that. Like, living in a, an idealized reality where you're not where you're not in touch with what's really happening is is kind of equally dismissive of the other side sure no no i I agree there's but i don't know what the answer is then like i'm not saying why not not, we're supposed to be solving all the world's problems right i'm not saying your way is wrong and my way is right i think it's all a matter of coping skills and how do we parse all this information you know right because you know we have like we have our information age and we have the at the same time, it's the disinformation age, and then it's the compartmentalized information age. You know, it's it becomes the modern day coliseum. I think that what is appealing to me in the books, and the comics, and the movies, and the television that I am consuming now is that it's relatable, in that it's not. There, I can I can identify with something in there. It's somebody else or something else is struggling with with that same question of is 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 this what reality is? Is this really how bad it is? Is this really what's happening? What what can I do about it? Or oh my god, I can't do anything about it. I can't cope with it or you know there's there's and I guess that that makes it sound like super fatalistic and and it's not always bad it's just that I I think I I reject the fantastical as just an escape at this point like I it's too close to pretending like everything is fine and I have been working for the past two years, like, really hard with a lot of therapy and medication and intervention and, like, holy shit, to address the fact that, like, pretending like everything is fine is not a great life strategy. So when I see a character acknowledge, like, this shit is not fine, whether they have a solution to it or not... That is, that is more important to me than um, can I, for a couple of hours, escape to this like magical land where this story takes place. No, that makes sense. But this goes back then to the global or national versus local and personal, right? Yeah. Because because we our problem, I would say, globally as is that we have lost our ability to affect change locally and personally. Okay. And that, you know, and it goes to the perception of reality and the, and the 
ignoring of what is going on in our personal lives. You know, when you talk about the therapy and acknowledging, you know, what is happening in your life versus the narrative you might make up to ignore that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So while we, while maybe we can't change things on our national or global level, how do we, how do we, is there, is there uh, the skills and the equipment, you know, available to us anymore to to change things either in our personal lives or even our like neighborhood lives and i, mean, I don't changing I don't it rather is. than just coping with it right like yeah here's the, here's the example i would say nobody really leaves their houses anymore or you know i'm sure there are there are neighborhoods or things that that do but i wouldn't say for ours for the most part you know, besides walking the dog or something like that, people pretty much stick to their little compounds. If you turn off the power for 20 minutes, people kind of wander outside their house, talk to their neighbors, see what's going on. You know, it's uh, it's funny how because of the, you know, the the gadgets and the availability of information at our fingertips that we have, we have um, kind of hold ourselves up, you know? Hmm. Okay, so that's more like isolation by choice. Is it isolation by choice or is it isolation by uh, by creation? You know, like, have we created a society or do we did we choose to isolate ourselves or have uh, the tools to isolate ourselves for, for you know, it, I don't think of like conspiracies, but it's more like these are effective ways of siloing people in order to um, have your closed kind of bubbles of, of narratives to perpetuate. Hmm. And then we all talk about, you know, oh, this or oh, that, you know. But it's all the same people talking to each other about it. Right. Right. Because we don't want the conflict, unless we actually go out and seek to have that conflict, you know, probably on a pretty non-consequential level. Conflict sucks. I, I definitely don't. Right, but you can go out and pick a fight knowing that you can walk away from that fight anytime you want and it just feels cathartic to go pick that fight. Hmm. And it's not, you're not picking it and you're not going out to your neighbor with their, you know, Make America Great Again flag outside and going saying, you know, why don't you step outside? You're going into, you know, freedomeagle.org, Facebook, slash, you oh, know. you can pick a fight online. Yeah, right. Is what you mean. Okay. Right. Okay. And then you can walk away from it. Huh. And then what, what's been changed? Nothing. Right, right. You know, you're still you're still a passive observer and passive, you know, whatever antagonist of the these sort of perpetuations. Mm-hmm. It's really depressing. Modernism yeah. is really depressing. Maybe as a depressed person, that's why I am gravitating towards it. <laughs> sure, it it feeds it reinforces that feeling as correct, which is. You know, is it? It doesn't mean it isn't, right? But it feels justified then, right? Yeah, I, justified worries me because because I I feel like vastly more self aware than I have been like virtually at any other point in my life, and and again, it's due to a a lot of different factors, but. When you talk about 
reading things that justify your perception, like those are, those are words that to me have the, the connotation of like the, the bubble as opposed to reinforcing reality, you know, like, I guess like the difference between justifying one's perception, which seems kind of insular versus, uh, you know, illustrating reality, which is like ex- external. But but who's reality? I mean, right well, now, I, th- I think we, you know, I think we have, I think we've we've seen that how our perceptions have been tailored and segregated means that fifty, you know, fifty fifty percent of the population has a very different perception of how the world is. Yeah, no, you're right. You're you're totally right with that. I don't. There's nothing to dispute there. So, I mean, so that's that's the depressing part of it. Is so, that... whose reality or or what reality is the is and the, what, the crux of the problem? Yeah, and who <laughs> and what are we passively observing? You know, it's like it's mm-hmm. all through our filters, and so it's like we might feel that we are unable to affect change, or we might be feeling that the the actions we took is affecting the change that we wanted to see in the world. God. So it all depends on which side of the cycle you're on, I think. You got to read this, dude. I feel like you are, (laughs) you're mulling over the same things, whether you want to admit it or not. And I think this is, it's good. It's a good time. I know you probably don't have, you probably don't have as much time to read something longer than your, your, uh, your weekly floppies, but holy shit. This is what happens, right? Like, I read one or two things, and then I just, like, obsess over it. So I am just as bad as you. I just am not also <laughs> destroying comics in the process. Well, I think I'm saving comics. See? Right. It's all a matter of perception. It is. It is. But I think we can both agree that we're, we're, we're both obsessive. We're both... We both have addictive personalities. Like, we're both hot messes, just in different ways. I mean, I guess. You know, I'm, I'm not willing to admit that at all yet. Yet? What do you... Dude, <laughs> Myers, what else do you need to see before you're willing to admit that? <laughs> I mean, maybe getting buried under a box of VHS tapes or something. Okay, okay. What's, so. like, the one thing you don't, like, you swear you will never collect? Uh, hmm, that's a good question. Beanie Babies? Okay, so when you start collecting Beanie Babies is... <laughs> that's my rock. That's my bottom. Yeah, that's your that's your rock bottom. All right. Makes sense. Okay. Cool. Well, let's call it a day. Yeah, this was fun. We should do this again sometime. Yeah. Uh, well, 2019. <laughs> oh, <sads>. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'll do it anytime you want. It's a okay. matter... Of, this is all on you. Wow. Weight of the world on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. I will passively, passively talk anytime you want. And I will ineffectively change the world. Cool. Great. Perfect. See you next week. All right.